Hi, I'm Dr. Sean. Welcome to No Mask, No Cape, the podcast that shares tips and techniques to help you learn how to rest, restore, renew, and refill. You're listening, so congratulations. Let your healing journey begin. Welcome back to No Mask, No Cape, the podcast that moves you through life. I'm going to try a new thing every week and see what really lands. I'm so happy to be back with you all today. And so today I think I'm going to talk a little bit about what it means to be an empath. And I'm going to lead into that with a story because I like to hear my own voice. So just follow along. I promise you I'm going to land this plane. So I'm just returning from a retreat in Sedona, Arizona, um, with a wonderful group. Uh, It was called a Sacred Sojourn. And I retreated literally because I felt completely energetically depleted. I was having a hard time functioning, to be honest, Um, getting out of bed, doing, uh, you know, basic tasks I was handling, no one worry, I brushed my teeth, all that was was good. But it was the extras, it took all of my energy every day, just to make it through the day. And as I sat down having a conversation, you know, with this guy that I live with, my husband, again, he keeps showing up, right? There he is again, keeps inserting himself into the story. He and I were talking about when I used to do things. Remember when you used to get up and swim? Remember when you used to play tennis in the evenings? Remember when you used to puzzle or paint or read or walk the dog or anything outside of what you, quote unquote, had to do for that day? And it was at that point that I was struck by how low my energy was by how completely drained. Now, I I share this story in part because I believe in the power of retreating. And there is science that supports that it takes about four days out of your regular environment for us to kind of recharge our batteries, if you will. I mean, you can't kind of heal in spaces that have perhaps damaged you. I'm not saying that that's exactly what has happened, but you get the point, right? And so retreating is very, very important. Matter of fact, shameless plug, we're having a retreat uh, April 30th to May 3rd in Boone, North Carolina. We'd love to have you. More information on my website. And now I'm back to the story. So retreating is so important um, that I had decided to commit actually to a few. So I've been on kind of like this retreat streak, right? Saying I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out, I'm going to go find my joy, basically. It reminds me of, what was the movie with um, Billy Crystal where he's riding across country and he's going to find his joy, he can't find his smile, he adopts a calf. Oh, uh, City Slickers. My own mind took me there and back. But in City Slickers, uh, his wife gives him, tells him basically to like go away. I think maybe it was a month or a few weeks. He went to, it looked like New Mexico, I'm not sure. And she tells him basically to go find your smile. Go and find your smile. And so that's part of what I, I believe retreating kind of does. 
But what I realized about why I was depleting so rapidly is because I had been spending more time with people and I had neglected or, or overlooked the fact that I was an empath. See how I landed that plane? I told you I would. So what is an empath? So an empath is a person, it's a person who feels very deeply. It's a highly sensitive person, but not just in terms of emotions. Yes, that's a part of it, but also energetically. It's someone who um, are highly intuitive, um, you know, feels like you maybe connect to people easily or more easily. And so um, if you're the person who easily cries when the, you know, Perini, Perina puppy child commercial comes on, or if you see a sad little kitten somewhere and you really wanted to adopt it or anything, if you always feel yourself saying, I don't know why I'm crying, you may be an empath. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. You know, we, we really live in a judgment-free space that we try to most of the time. So there's nothing wrong with being an empath. Um, however, I think unrecognized empathness, I made that word up because I can, um, can, you know, put you in a space where you find yourself like, man, I am always tired. All right. So here are some traits um, of an empath. We talked about being highly sensitive, but I do want to note that that's different than being a highly sensitive person. There is a slight difference. And if you want to know more about that, I'm going to recommend, um, I think it's called the Empath Survivals Book by Judith Orloff, O-R-L-O-F-F. And it has some quizzes or you can go to her website, you know, whatever makes you happy. Um, but there is a slight difference between the two. So being aware of that. Empaths do absorb. And this is where it becomes problematic for some of us, especially for those of us who do emotional work. Empaths absorb others' emotions. So if you're feeling sad and I'm with you, I might find myself starting to feel sad. If you're feeling joyful, I might start finding myself to feel joyful, right? All of this is based on energy work as well in terms of, you know, empaths are more in tune with energetic vibrations. And so if you're vibrating really high, i.e. joyful, then I might be like, yeah, I just felt so much better. Like, I just want to go see them again. I want to talk to them. I want to be around them. It was great. You know, if you are Eeyore. Hand of the road. Nothing to do, and no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. I might, you know, uh, and while I'm with you, you know, when I leave, I'd be like, wow, I'm kind of sad, or I might just feel drained, or I might feel tired, or I might not feel anything in the moment, but my emotional reserve tank might be depleting, right? You could almost you know, see it kind of draining down a little bit. Um, and this can also happen. Um, so for me, I think my empath thing really popped off. I'm not quite sure exactly when, but I remember when my children were playing AAU basketball. Um, and I, yeah, 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 I'm going to say maybe 10 years ago or so. But I remember at some point I could no longer sit in the gym. Like I just literally felt like I was being smothered 
There were people, you know, on the right side, the left side, behind me, in front of me. They were yelling. It was a lot of noise. The sneakers on the thing. I mean, it was just so much um, noise, also so much emotion. And I didn't realize the distinction. And so I tried to sit apart. This was before I really understood the concept of energy. I tried to sit apart. I would go try to, you know, scroll away in the top of the bleachers. I tried to bring headphones. Um, I tried almost everything I knew. And, you know, at the time, uh, sometimes my husband would be coaching or not. And But either way, my kids were there, so I mostly showed up. Um, but I found what really worked for me was actually standing outside the door. So I watched the games outside of the door, looking through you know, kind of the glass pane. Did I miss a few things? Yes. But was I less exhausted when it was over? Uh, hell yeah. And so that was my beginning as I reflect and me learning how to find ways and strategies to manage, you know, my reserve. Because again, as the parent or as a parent, I still had to show up for my kids as well, right? So that's, that's energy. That's, emotion that you know did you win the game did you lose the game did you get enough playing time how did the coach make you feel you know what, what can I do do you want some ice cream I always go with ice cream it soothes everything but anyway you know all these little things that I would do with them so um the other thing that I discovered over time and here's another trait of empaths is that they need alone time now anyone who knows me knows me I am typically a super e i mean if you did uh that myers-briggs you know that was big now people are doing the enneagram and so maybe we'll talk about that later or people are doing both people are doing all kinds of things anyway i'm back but on the myers-briggs i'm like a like my e was almost bleeding off the paper like they had to pull it back and you know kind of rank it so i'm super extrovert but I realized, again, as I was getting older, that I really actually wanted to be left alone as well. <laughs> like, I'm happy to be out and about. I'm happy to engage. But I started literally telling, and I remember when this happened, I started literally telling the children, this is my time now. Like, I'm done. It's, you know, it's 8.05, it's 8.10, it's 7.30, it's 6.49, it's whatever. Like, you know, I'm done. And they started to recognize even when I sat in a certain space, if my feet were up, if I had my, you know, things that I love around me, which is typically at least one book, that I was starting my retreat, right? My retreat inward, trying to figure out how to reset and recharge. And sometimes I would go, you know, away up to my room, you know, in another room, outside, you know, whatever. Uh, but this was a change for me because I, part of my codependent behavior that I'm, I'm breaking um, was thinking that I have to be there. I have to be, always have to be available for the kids. I always, 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 if you need to talk to me about something important at, you know, 1.42 a.m., I'm going to pop up and we're going to have that discussion. And yeah, no, we can talk about that tomorrow at 6.30. Why don't I wake you up? and talk to you about it. Yeah, it's not so fun, is it? <gasps> I think that was some repressed anger that just slipped out. All right, I'm back. 
So part of this uh, feeling for alone time has really been quite a gift as well. I had never gone to a movie alone. I had never eaten a meal alone. I had never really traveled alone. And I have just expanded and expanded and expanded in these last two years where um, even this, you know, retreat, I knew a few of the people that were going and, and knew meaning kind of knew of them. We weren't BFFs. But I just said, I'd like to go. And I went. And it was a blessing and a joyful and joyful time. Um, but a long time could mean something simply as, you know, as easy as just taking a walk that's alone, that's recentering, connecting, you know, with um, Mother Earth, grounding, earthing, centering. But you might need some alone time if you're an empath. Um, empaths, there's another potential trait. So empaths can be targets for emotional vampires. So I know some of you have already Googled this term because, you know, everybody knows everything now once they Google it. Now everybody's an expert, right? Um, but emotional vampires, you know, basically those are folks who are attracted to people who give, whatever that looks like, mostly, you know, emotionally, mostly nurturing, mostly they're going to make you feel better. And they are, are attracted to them and they will basically... You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when, um, not saying that I actually did this for if cases, any kind of legal stuff going on, but you remember how you could siphon gas out of someone's car? So you had to like start the siphon, you know, you had to like start a suction by, you know, I think it like inhaling on it a little bit and then stick it in the other gas tank and kind of do it on the other, whatever. Again, I'm getting some confirmation from my from the Podfather here, who is my producer, um, that that's correct. And again, I never am not admitting guilt to any type of siphoning behavior, but that's exactly what an emotional vampire will do and an energetic vampire will do. They will come up, they will get near you, and before you know it, you are feeling less and less like yourself, less and less energetic. And again, because it can happen gradually, you might not even be aware that it's happening at that moment, right? You could be in a relationship with an emotional vampire uh, or energetic vampire and just be like, man, this relationship is taking it out of me. But that could be two years later. It could be slowly draining. Well, how will I know? That's a really good question. So part of what happens is, I mean, just really think of your energy in terms of a tank for a second, any type of tank or reservoir, or glass, or, or whatever. Let's stick with tank. This is too confusing to go into too many other things. Let's think of it as full. How full is it, though, right? How Are you at three-quarter? Are you at, like, full, full? Are you at half? And what are you doing to replenish it? This is how long it might take, or why it might take different lengths of time for a relationship to start really wearing on you or or whatever it is because let's say you started a relationship and you were full you were just at 100 percent, just feeling good and on top of that you meditate every day or you do yoga or you take a walk or you read or the person doesn't live with you or whatever it is that allows you to recharge. I mean, it could take longer for you to drain down into the 20s or 30s or 10s or whatever because you've been replenishing. Now let's say you start a relationship and you're already at 50. You were just kind of half full as it was. You're not doing any self-care that replenishes you. 
this person siphons up to you and starts, you know, sucking you dry, basically, that relationship could, you could feel something different in three to six months. So it it depends. There is no formula on like, how will I know? Am I going to immediately feel drained after an interaction with, uh, you know, an energetic or emotional vampire? No, you may not know right away. You may not be immediately drained, but I promise you, you will feel the impact over time if you have not been doing your self-care work, which is, you know, of course, how we're going to end today. But let me give you a few more things to know. Are you an empath? Let's see. Um, Do you have a huge heart, but sometimes give too much? I know that's uh, basically I'm going to call the people that I hang out with now. It's for me, it's a cross between between a tribe and a chosen family. Somewhere there's a blend there, right? But I know that in that group, you know, I feel I feel safe. And what I mean by that is um, even when I'm doing business with someone, you know, I don't feel like, oh, they're trying to get me. Oh, I should, you know, watch out for this. Oh, I'm wondering what they're really up to. I don't feel hidden agendas um, with the people that I have drawn into my my circle once I truly learn how to tap in and figured out that they're not a vampire, that they're not, you know, another uh, person that I don't necessarily want to be around. And so, um, so most people in my circle have huge hearts and they give a lot. Um, But you have to, you know, be aware of, am I giving too much? And, and to me, this has become key, especially, you know, lately, what is my motivation for giving? You know, am I giving in the hopes that if I, you know, do this elaborate birthday event, I will have something similar on my birthday because that's what I really want, but I don't know how to use my words and ask for it. Or am I giving because I'd like to give in this moment? You know, I believe in the spirit of giving. Am I giving because I have weak boundaries? You know, am I giving because it's what I've been conditioned to do? So knowing the reason behind the giving is really, 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 really. Add about 10 more reallys. I'll spare you the actual. No, I won't. Really, really, really. It's three. Really, 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 really important. (laughs) I tickled myself with that one. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm back. So how to recharge, like what can you do? So if you're an empath, if you are an empath, if you are an empath, I welcome you. I welcome you to my chosen family. I welcome you to my tribe. And I would like to help support you through the journey of making it through with as few scrapes, bruises, bumps, and nicks, cuts, whatever as possible. So the number one thing really is the recognition. If you remember, I do have those three A's, awareness, 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 um, but awareness, acceptance, action. So being aware of anything really like that is literally about half the battle. So if you're aware that you're an empath, there are a couple things that, you know, you can do now. One, I recommend reading more about it. Of course, you know, you can Google it. You can buy a book. This is a novel idea and actually read it. Love them. 
do a little quiz or you can go to the library and rent a book or you know wherever you know you can come in contact with something that perhaps you can touch um, you could also go into nature and we talked about earthing uh, grounding and shielding so let me talk about uh, shielding for a second part of what happens with an empath um, is that again when we talk about our energy and if your energy is what surrounds you your energy you know enters a room before you do and you can imagine it like if you put your arms out um, that that whole bubble that's about the size of your energetic sphere and you know people kind of um, go back and forth is it this many feet or that many feet so I mean whatever kind of floats your boat um, I don't really need to get into the super details about it um, but your energy field basically is kind of wide open. If you've had recent energy work, it'll be even more wide open. So let's say you have a Reiki, you know, uh, session or you've just done some wonderful chakra attuning yourself with a deep meditation. You're going to be even more wide open. And so part of what is important to do is to learn how to shield so I like to think about shielding in terms of those um, patio doors. You know, if you've been at a hotel or maybe in your own home and you had the sliding doors, remember those? And you put the little bar down as well, you know, because of safety. We got to be safe and we're always looking for that bar. Um, but to me, that's a great example of learning how to shield. What I find most empaths, how they start is that door is wide open, a bar doesn't even exist, and the screen door is wide open. So literally, when the door is wide open, it is wonderful because you do get, especially today, I mean, today is just a beautiful day in North Carolina. It was nice and cool, and so you can get the breeze when the door is open. You get a little bit of the sunshine as it's coming in. Um, but you know, also, like, a badger might run in. Badgers? Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers! Like, and start tearing up your shit like it could happen. So, you you know, if your door is wide open, anything could happen. You know, a cat, a stray dog, I mean, anything could happen at that point. And so, the door is wide open. And this is when I'm starting to work with people. Typically, the door is just, like, wide open. And I say, okay, well, we might want to look at that. So then they come back next week... <laughs> And the answer is typically, this is for all of us, I chuckle because it's the typical overcorrect. Now we've closed the door. Like we, I mean, the the door is completely closed. We put the little latch down so it's locked. We got a stick and we drew the curtain. Like there is no nothing. Like I will not enjoy sunlight. I will not feel the breeze. I will not, you know, the effort to protect ourselves becomes at some point, you know, almost too withdrawal so that we are also not privy to the things that might bring us joy in an interaction with someone, right? If I put myself away from all people, I don't get the joy that is inherent in companionship, in, in communion, in community, so we close that door, we put a big, and when I say curtain, it's like those big, like orange, like Brady Bunch curtains, like them big, heavy, like it's a big curtain. And so really the goal is over time that we would learn when we're interacting with people and even prior, where do I need my door for today? How open should it be? I would also, I'd like to encourage that your door is open some, but with the screen door is the shielding. Because with the screen door, I get the breeze. 
I get the sun. I get to hear the birds or the cicadas or whatever it is that you like to hear. But I also can decide how much I want to let in. I have that, you know, for lack of a better word, control, you know, over how much I'm going to take in. And your your door then, if your screen door is is up, then the sliding door can be all the way back. You can crack it. It could be midway through. You know, it allows you to still interact, right? I still get to talk with people. I still get to be with people. But I've grounded, I've shielded, I've, I've protected, you know, my energy. And there are lots of other ways that we're going to talk about that when we talk about next week, when we talk more about energy healing, uh, we'll talk about some more specific things and tools that you can use to kind of reset, to cleanse and to clear. And so with that, I bid you a fond adieu. Um, as always, um, if you've been enjoying this and want to join our chosen family or our tribe, please follow me on social media at Dr. Sean Ricks or visit my website, www.drshawnricks.com. As always, and until next time, be well and choose you. Bye. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace counseling. If you feel you need additional help on your journey, please seek the services of a licensed professional. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are those of the contributors and not those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of Dr. Sean Ricks.